it was cool when they got the stunt woman to to be on the top of the car but what why didn't they just stop the car Hello and welcome to the Omcast. My name is Dom, that's one half of the Omcast. I'm joined by Tom. Say hello, Tom. Hello. So we now live in a world full of sequels, prequels, remakes and reboots. And we understand that sometimes life gets in the way and you're not always going to be able to catch up before a new one comes out. With that in mind, we're here to discuss our thoughts on the highs and lows of some of the biggest franchises in cinema history, before we find out if the new one is worth seeing. This week, we continue our retrospective on the films of Quentin Tarantino before the release of the upcoming Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So this time we're talking about the director's rebellious teenage years where he made <laughs> Kill Bill Volume 1, Kill Bill Volume 2 and Death Proof. I think that's a fairly apt description of what yeah. this is, isn't it? Yeah, this it's, is it's that difficult second album. It was, it's, it's the fuck you, I won't do what you tell me phase yeah. where he just went, no, I'm making what I want to make and it's going to be ridiculous and it's going to be silly and it's going to be super stylized and it's going to be like, a, these films are all like a tribute to the films that he loves. Yeah. Like they're like westerns and samurai films and like and car movies and Yeah, they're, but they're like love stories to genre. Yeah. But genre genre. Not yeah. like they're not like wide spectacle westerns like something like The Hateful Eight is. Mm. But there's something along the lines of well, Vanishing Point is probably the best example. Yeah, Vanishing Point, Game of Death. Yeah. Like yeah, Game of Death, like Big Boss any of those like enter the dragon sort mm. of um sort of asian exploitation sort of kung fu movie era films mm. but they are quite interesting because they quite clearly wear their hearts on their sleeves and their influence is very very in your face like literally yeah. shot for shot in some instances yeah but at the same time like i d- We'll get into it in a minute, but I don't know how well Kill Bill 1 is aged. I think 2 is better. Okay. And Death Proof is something else entirely, which I'll get to okay, when we get to it. See, I found Kill Bill... I really... I love Kill Bill 1. Yeah. I really do. Because it just... It moves at a... It, well, it's got a better pace to yeah. it than Kill Bill 2 does, I think. I think in 2, there are some scenes in there that are like self-indulgent and just drag on and they don't progress the story whereas mm-hmm. i do feel like for the most part kill bill volume one is pushing things forward always yeah one more the slowest it gets is when she goes and gets the hanzo sword yeah but even that is like a breather between fight scenes mm-hmm. and i think the fight scenes are better in one uh this is this is something that i was specifically going to raise as well okay. is that the, the fight between the bride and l yeah in the trailer. Yeah. It's a bit of a letdown. No. It's fucking brilliant. Okay. Like, I was a bit let down with the first time that she pulled the sword in the in the club. In really? one. Okay. Because I was like, I remember this being better. Okay. And I think it, the problem is, is because I was so into it at the time. Yeah. That watching it now, I'm like, oh, this isn't as good as I remember. I'd still really enjoyed it. Yeah. But then the fight with Elle in the trailer I thought was going to be bad yeah and I was like this is mad okay alright maybe that's it then maybe okay yeah. I think because that is better in terms of their their back and forth with one another yeah and that is is like a better duel yeah and similarly like her fight with Lucy Liu I think is really good and it yeah. looks amazing that one beautiful and just yeah like, anything about 
any one of these movies is that they look amazing. Even though with Death Proof, he does grime it up to a point. Like, yeah. like you know, I don't even know how to, the film grain on it and everything. Is well, just that like, was, they were literally that was filmed on old stock and um so yeah it was filmed on old stock and then the the negatives themselves were scratched yeah and like frames were cut out and then different takes were were spliced together yeah it's, and, uh, it's a mess but it's intentionally a mess yeah um but yeah i mean we, we're sort of bearing the little bit so yeah. kill bill is the the main sort of crux of this phase and it is a two-part movie and he sort of since come out and said that it should be considered one movie yeah and he has this whole thing about so when now they're promoting is he going to give me a refund for the other ticket that I bought yeah no, I know right um, now they're promoting uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood they're saying it's the ninth film by Quentin Tarantino okay and that is based on the idea that you have to then take Kill Bill Volume 1 and 2 as one movie right because if you don't then this is his tenth film yeah and it's like right okay so you kind of retroactively mm. because you did that and then there's Death Proof which was part of Grindhouse which was released together as a double yeah. feature and then you re-release and it's just it's all fucked up yeah this is why this the thing with this it's, it's the it's the real world equivalent of the X-Men universe yeah that's the thing it, he is this particular thing is where he got real experimental about the, the fact that Kill Bill is volume 1 and volume 2 yeah is like it's where his self-indulgence starts coming in there, mm-hmm. and he just there's. I don't think it doesn't need to be two. Much as I enjoy both of them, yeah, he doesn't. You could have done, told that story and done it in one. You could have I done agree. it like a two and a half hour movie, and it would have been epic. Yeah, it would have been really cool. Yeah, I totally, totally agree with you there because there are points. Yeah, and there are points in both where you just sort of go, God, fuck me. This is like... Yeah, but I, I think there's more of that in two than there is in one. Yeah, definitely. Like the, like the particular scenes stand out to me, like um, when Michael Madsen's character is getting told off by his boss, oh, and that just goes on forever. It's like yeah. it doesn't doesn't add anything, it doesn't no. add anything. Whereas in one, it's stuff like they give you the whole backstory of um, mm-hmm. Ray Ishii, who's Lucy Liu's character, and but they do it in anime, yeah, and it's fucking awesome. It's, it's really cool. Bananas. It's mental. Like, but he just decide, decides to go, oh, we're going to be, this is going to be an anime now. Mm-hmm. And like, I, that's the thing, like with these movies, like he doesn't care about whether it's like, he'll do things like put things in black and white or, you know, have like character, like, the zoom in and the, um, what's the, like the alarm sound going off in her yeah, head. The klaxon. The klaxon going off and then the screen turns red and she literally sees red and just everything <laughs> like that is just totally stylized. And like it's the rule of cool. It's like why have we done that? Yeah, because it's cool. Yeah, that's it. Why have we, why have we done it in anime? Because it's cool. Yeah, and she's a Japanese character or a you know character of Japanese descent. And that's the thing is, that's I think at this point, sort of Tarantino was given carte blanche by yeah the two people who must not be named yeah um to just be like. Fuck it, do yeah. what you want. And it's interesting coming off the back of... So it was not even coming off the back of... There was a long gap between after Jackie Brown mm. and this. And like when we talked about Jackie Brown last week, we were talking about it as that was him trying to say, no, I can be a grown-up yeah. sort of thing. And then now he's gone completely the opposite yeah, way. Going, literally no, no, gone... I want to play with all my toys and I want to get Uma in it because I love Uma. And I'm going to have at least 10 minutes of the movie dedicated to just filming her bare feet. 
and like yeah that was that didn't that didn't make me feel comfortable no no but it's like that's the thing they and it's something they talked about and it's very much a collaboration thing between Uma Thurman and Quentin Tarantino to a point where like the first credit that comes up at the end of both movies is based on the character of the bride created by Q&A yeah a Q&U sorry um and that is cool and it, and and she's great in these films as well she is brilliant she's awesome and like this is like her defining thing for her career obviously and she just absolutely nails it and the rest of the cast are all great as well but but yeah so saying about the cast yeah so i mean you've got like some like so a lot of them have worked with tarantino before you got like your michael madison and your um uma thurman and there is a little cameo for samuel jackson as well yeah which you get in uh two piano man in the yeah rufus and then there is there's fan theories around that like some people think that means he is jules from pulp fiction okay because when he goes he goes drifting around from place to place and he's ended up now he's just an old man yeah playing the piano in a little chapel in texas okay it's like yeah that's cool yeah, well, there is a crossover character, isn't there? Is it, um... No, sorry, that's between... Also, sorry for burping there. Um, that's in Kill Bill and Death Proof. Yes, so copper. this is... That's the thing that we could get into... Maybe we'll get into it next week, but there's the Tarantino movie-verse, and yeah. there's the Tarantino movie-verse where everything is real. Yeah. So, like, there, there are movies that exist within the the universe if you like yeah so but also they that... do and they don't so yeah so i think the idea is that like these, these ones in particular like kill bill and um death proof they both start with that um now our feature presentation yeah. thing and it's like they're kind of like movies that vincent vega could go and watch in the cinema yeah. that's the idea yeah potentially but then there are also these little connective tissue things like stuff like red apple cigarettes yeah. that come up in every single one like she walks past a um, poster for Red Apple Cigarettes, which is the same thing that Bruce Willis asked for in the bar in Pulp Fiction. Yeah. And like all these like little... Big Red Soda or whatever yeah, it's called. Yeah, stuff and... like that. And there's Big Kahuna Burger who gets yeah. a little shout out in Death Proof. So there's all these little things. Yeah. But sorry, getting back to the cast, you have a few people who have been in things before, but there's some that have never gone anywhere near him before. Yeah. Stuff like Lucy Liu. Yeah. Um, David Carradine. David Carradine. Who, it wasn't originally going to be him. Wasn't it? No, it was going to be. Um, oh shit! What was the guy's name? Because interesting, that's similarly to uh, Death Proof, wasn't it? That Kurt Russell was like one of the last people on Tarantino's list. Yeah, like people like well, who was the first choice? It was like Mickey Rourke. Yeah, and like it was like Val Kilmer and Robert Downey Jr. were in there as well, and um, it was people that would be recognised from a while ago as being like a badass sort of thing. Yeah. Um, Warren, is Warren Beatty? I think Warren Beatty. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. <clears throat> yeah, Warren Beatty. Yeah, that was it. Um, but then also Jack Nicholson, Kurt Russell, Mickey Rourke, Burt Reynolds all passed on playing Bill. Really? Yeah. So then we ended up with David Carradine. But David Carradine yeah. is perfect. Well, David Carradine was in Kung Fu, wasn't he? The yeah. TV show. So yeah, it kind of in... fits perfectly. Yeah. Um. But he like is is his voice and his delivery. Yeah. Like because a lot for for the first movie in volume one you never even see him. No. You just hear his voice off camera. And that's how the whole thing starts in Kill Bill Volume One is the bride in black and white on the floor having been beaten up and it's got blood all over her. Yeah. And you just hear Bill's voice 
and like he wipes the blood off it, and you see he's got it monogrammed, so it has Bill written on his handkerchief, yeah, and stuff like that. And it's just, oh, it's that's the thing. Like everything is done just for the sake of being cool, yeah. But it is fucking cool. But it is, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's the thing. It's it's inarguably everything is super cool, yeah. And it's it's the, it's and again going back to getting away from these films again and going to true romance which I'm going to continue to do because it's fucking amazing <laughs> there is a line throughout that whole film which is you're so cool yeah but it's delivered not in like a sarcastic way as it would be nowadays but it's delivered like really earnestly and it's just the going back to everything being really cool mm. and like all the character actors are like oh that wouldn't it be cool that's just cool yeah and it just goes on and on and on and I think it, and what's astonishing is it doesn't really outstay its welcome that much no. with the coolness factor. Because you are laying it on pretty thick with other films, you know, like John Travolta and Sam Jackson and this and this and this and Bruce Willis and everyone else and everyone else and everyone else. But when you get into Kill Bill, it becomes so so encompassing hmm. that you know, you get to a certain point and you're like, that's fucking silly, but it is really cool. Yeah. Like yeah. the bit when... Um, Pie May, is it? Again? Yeah. Yeah. Stands on the sword and you're like, okay, that's how it's going to be now. Yeah. Like, like, that's, what, that's what we're into. That's how crazy it is. And like, even like like stylistic choices, like the stuff like when in the, the big um, fight at the end of Kill Bill 1 in the house of the Blue Lotus or whatever. Yeah. It all just cuts to black and white. Yeah. But then the reason for that was like, but like some of these movies when they would get rerun on TV, they would have to cut them into black and white so there wouldn't be as much blood on the screen. And yeah, it's like a rating thing. But it's like an that's like an urban myth though. Is it? Because what they would do is they wouldn't cut it into black and white. They would just like it's like airplane cuts and stuff. Yeah. So they just they just wouldn't put it in there. Yeah. And um so it was like this urban myth at the time and Tarantino was like like going along with it and being like oh yeah well we have to do it for the censors yeah and like people in like film magazines were like yeah it really doesn't like it's fine yeah but it's just a stylistic choice i mean the ridiculous the blood in this yeah just every, ludicrous. every time someone gets cut with the samurai sword or whatever they just spurt like a fountain of, yeah. of fake blood and it goes everywhere and it's ridiculous it's yeah so over the top and it <laughs> is mad yeah but then that's how it is in some of these films. Yeah. Like some of the films that it's like borrowing from, you would get somebody get their arm cut off and you would just get this like just squirting jet yeah. of blood just pop out of it and then someone wailing. Yeah. But it but it all works. Yeah, it's great. I mean, because it's so, it's simple as, like the, the plot of it is just, it's a revenge story. Yeah. It's the bride played by Uma Thurman got done over by this group who are called the Deadly... Uh, the what was it, the Deadly Viper Assassin Squad? Yeah, Divas. Um, and she then makes a list and goes out and starts killing them. She, yeah, she gets like take it. Yeah, they go go to her wedding and shoot the place up, shoot her in the head. She then wakes up four years later, is it? And you know, out of a coma, and then goes on a revenge spree. Yeah, um, having seemingly lost her child that she was pregnant with at the time, and then there's a big twist that turns out the child's alive you find out at the end of one yeah and we get into more in two um but she literally makes a list of these five people and then crosses them off one yeah. at a time but then but it's shown out of sequence as well obviously it's shown out of sequence because tarantino <laughs> like i love the fact that like it was chapter one two yeah like that's just 
activity like he's doing it on purpose he's like yeah. he's trolling us he knows put full well like because the opening after you get the initial like black and white bit then you get the, the um credits and then there's this big fight between her and uh it's cotton mouth yeah um i can't remember her name no nah, neither can i um but yeah so they have I'm this find th- out, and that is an amazing fight sequence in that in her house as well as they're just like smashing through furniture and just going for it but that takes place after the majority of the rest of the movie (laughs) because the rest of the first movie volume one is concerned with killing um, Vivica Fox yeah yeah Vivica Fox Um, Vanita Green yeah Um, who was like who was Will Smith's missus in Independence Day yeah amongst other things Um, but yeah, so that takes that's the beginning of the movie, but chronologically, it actually happens after everything else has already happened, because yeah, she's already killed. Because at that point, it, it, she's the second on her list. Oren was her first on the list. Yeah, she was the one that she knew where she'd be able to find her. The rest of them, she didn't know, and she got the information from her translator. Yeah, um, and it's it's fucking mad because it's like, and then it's that's what's confusing because there are points and you're like. Oh, she was, she was driving the pussy wagon when she turned up. Yeah. So the pussy wagon is this like vivid, eye-wateringly yellow pickup truck that's dubbed the pussy wagon, um, that she takes from a particularly bad person at the start of the film. Mm. And but yeah, it is bizarre. And then it's like so she turns up with that for the second bit. Well, we've just seen her steal it. Yeah. Well, I think so. The story with the pussy wagon. <laughs> Is there was actually there was another chapter that he cut out of it. Okay. So there was a basically you know the um Gogo, the uh Gogo Yabari. Yeah. So there was meant to be twins. There was meant right. to be, there's there was meant to be two Japanese girl schoolgirl twins. Of course <laughs> there were obviously. And he cast both these girls who were from Battle Royale, which he's yeah. a big fan of. And then the idea was that the second twin would come after the bride for revenge, and during that sequence, she would the pussy wagon would be destroyed and blown up. Okay. And she had to switch cars. So then there is a point I think in two where she says something about, or he says nice ride or whatever, and she goes, oh yeah, my pussy wagon got blown up. Or oh yeah, my, my pussy wagon. Is that in two? Isn't it when yeah, she goes to see two. Gordon? Not Gordon. Adam. No, I think she goes to see um the yeah the oh, Mexican guy. Yeah, the guy that's Bill's one of Bill's father figures. That is an entire sequence that could have been cut. Yeah, because that does nothing. But anyway, but um, um, but yeah, that's why. So there's there is a bit of discrepancy between yeah, like yeah. you say, and then the opening of two is her driving this Cadillac type car in black and white as she's like driving down the highway, like staring down the camera, explaining the entire plot to everybody. Yeah, but the um, car. Can can we talk about the car? Yeah, because I can't skip past that's a porsche roadster i, I apologize and that is uh not not the not the one from two but the one from one yeah. the second one is she's driving through i think it's mexico or brazil mm. uh this is one of the most valuable cars in the world yeah. uh incidentally i think and i and correct me if i'm wrong anybody uh i think that is the same car that killed james dean oh shit oh, okay. not the actual one that car in that is going to be a replica because they're very expensive and he wouldn't have been able to get it just for that I very much doubt it fair enough yeah um I'm showing us really low um but yeah and then um but yeah and then we say about sort of 
so I'm just trying to think about how one ends again. So, so one ends pretty suddenly. So one ends with her basically. So she gets the translator girl, and she yeah, like she gets all her. the information out of she Bill. Gets the, the information about where everyone else is. Yeah, and he, she throws her down the thing, and then Bill is talking to her. And yes. again, he's doing it off camera. Yeah, you just see his hand and on he her just shoulder, sees his hand, and then he says, "Does she know her daughter's still alive?" Credits. Yeah, which is a great fucking ending. To yeah, be fair like. Like, it's almost worth having it be in two films just for the sake of that being the ending of a film. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, to be honest, I wouldn't put it past Tarantino to have done it like that yeah. for that reason. Yeah, um, because it's like, yeah, it does sort of, and like, it has got that TV show element to it. Like, yeah. it is like it could be an episodic thing. And there are other sort of theories that people have had about, like, is this Fox Force Five? Uh, yeah, and that's the thing because it's. So she talks about Fox Force 5 in Pulp Fiction. So this is um, the character of... Um, Mia. Mia talks about that she was in the pilot of a TV show. Yeah. That it was about all these kick-ass female assassins yeah. and that each one had like a character role and they were called Fox Force 5. And then people are like, well, obviously Uma Thurman is now playing a character who is based on this female assassination squad who are all the best of the world and they've all got their own skill and they're all the best at what they do. But there are is like a disparity in there because they're like, oh, she was a, uh, she was the funny one, wasn't she? Mm. And then there was was she the explosive? No, she was the bladed weapon one. So yeah. it's so that tallies up. Yeah. But then other parts don't like the names right. and stuff. But yeah, to serve that as part of the narrative is brilliant anyway. Yeah. Even if it was amended, yeah, to be something because you're like, oh, that's a shame that it wasn't called Fox Force Five. And he's like, yeah, but they're the deadly viper assassination squad now, so that's yeah. cooler. And you're like, no, you're right, that is cooler. That is cooler. And they're all named after snakes. Yeah. And then like, and Bill's the snake charmer. Or doesn't he drive a car that's the mongoose as well? Uh, no, it's Pantera. What's the, what's the the mongoose? It's something to do with the mongoose. Yeah. I don't know. I don't do animals. But yeah, all cars. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's a Pantera. I'm gonna check. If I'm wrong, I'm happy to be wrong. But. Um. Bill's car in Kill Bill 2. Oh, it's a Mangusta. It's not a Pantera. Yeah, Mongoose. Well, gosh. I was certain that was it. Well, it looks a lot like a Pantera, to be fair. Mm. Um, bear with me. Just going to have a little read. Uh... Kill Bill star David Carradine was a big car guy and requested... Cadillac CN content for his eponymous character in Kill Bill. Tarantino isn't a car guy. Planned to use a silver Porsche. Uh, luckily for all of us, Carradine won. Pantera International. Okay. So Pantera are the name of. Maybe we, anyway. should, maybe we shouldn't get into it. Maybe we should move on. Yeah. <laughs> maybe I should. Maybe I should read about the car thing later and not waste three minutes of our podcast recording audio time. Okay. Um, so yeah, I mean Kill Bill. Like, I don't know, it's it's a bit of a crazy one to talk about because there's so much going on in there. There's so many yeah. different characters and they've all got different um, sort of strengths and weaknesses. Like I say, I love everything to do with Oren and her crew, mm-hmm. which is why I think I probably prefer Volume 1 over Volume 2. Okay. Because I like that character and that setting and yeah. everything he does with that. Um, but that's not to say that Ellie Driver, who's played by Daryl Hannah, isn't awesome as well. Yeah. 
Uh, again, but like she's just cool, like the fact she has an eye patch the whole time, mm-hmm. and then you find out later on why she's got the eye patch as yeah. well, which is a great little story and adds to the sort of the legend and the myth- the mythos surrounding this series. Um, because the second one does sort of it goes back and forth by it completes the story, but also goes way back to before the story and has you see the bride being trained, yeah, by Pai Mei, who's this you know crazy. Japanese, legendary le- legendary Japanese. rumor has it he's like a thousand years old yeah one of them um and at one point tarantino was going to play that part himself of course he was can you imagine it would have been the fucking worst thing that could have possibly happened so thank god that didn't happen um but yeah so that and so that a lot of the runtime is dedicated to that but that's like classic like kung fu movie yeah to, you know carry water up a hill Mm-hmm. hit a plank of wood as many times as you can into but then it cuts back to being relevant to this part of the story so that is another really good use of his switching between yeah. narrative points yeah and that's one of the because it is sort of conceptually both a western revenge film yeah and sort of a, a Japanese samurai, cinema yeah. it's like samurai revenge film and it's amazing that they can both work as cohesively as they do. Yeah. Because when it was originally out, I would argue that each one was different from the next, but they tend they're quite similar. Yeah. Throughout. I mean, two leans a little bit more onto the sort of the western. It does, but then it has all the Pi stuff in too. But then, exactly, and so it has all the Pi stuff and it has the final showdown in Bill's castle almost. Yeah. Um, and you know, she's worked through all the things. She's had the the honorable fight with the other assassin. She's died like an assassin and yeah but then it's like the texas burial and then michael madsen who's definitively a cowboy in everything this. about michael madsen is cowboyish but even yeah. he has a honzo sword yeah and that becomes a whole point of contention as well like he yeah. says he hocked it but he didn't no which is great um and that's the thing like one thing it done and like i don't mean to keep laboring it because it's it is a little bit of low-hanging fruit to sort of keep laboring the point that of sort of Tarantino's misogyny but there is like specifically a part of this one that frustrated me so much is that mm. they spend so much time sort of going over Bud they're like we see all this time with Bud in his office in his job yeah and how he's like like the real downtrodden guy and he was like yeah. the former hero and he used to be the real tough guy and he used to be the best and he was this and he was this and now he's got gonna get shouted at by his boss and the stripper's gonna tell it tells him that he needs to clean up shit and he gets really downtrodden and he's really annoyed by it but then you get somebody like l mm. who is a brilliant character gets no development whatsoever yeah, outside true. of a, like a couple of lines yeah that's true i don't know i mean it's hard because you sort of there are bits for and against throughout like i think the another sort of the almost the opposite scene happens in one with uh, lucy lou's character mm. she's a woman at the head of a table full of mob bosses yeah and she fucking dominates all of them yeah and, and absolutely nails it and she's the antagonist and then the protagonist is also a badass woman with a sword yeah and Joe you know I me mean? and like and they're all just, and they're both commanding these like she commands the full group of men yeah. attack her she destroys a whole group of men yeah so like that's quite good and, and that's, then, but then like you say when you get into two ellie is l sorry 
is massively underdeveloped. Yeah. But I don't know if that's just because he has a bit of a loyalty to Madsen, feels like he owes him a bit of screen time. Yeah. And that's because th- it's like, sorry, I know you passed in Pulp Fiction, you've been kicking yourself for the last six years. Mm-hmm. Let me give you some screen time. Like, show me. Because he does put in a good, good performance. Yeah, that's the fine. thing. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, it's like, when you look at it and you're like, there is so much. I don't know. It's really tough. It's pros and cons. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. Like I say, it's difficult with the. Even with the bride as the protagonist, because she, there's no denying that she is a strong female protagonist. Absolutely, yeah. she is, and she's fucking driven and and great, and doesn't take any shit from anyone and all the rest of it. And that's great. But they just continually throughout the entire movie, both movies, they can't. You can't help but have people comment on how beautiful she is. Yeah, constantly. Mm-hmm. Like the when the, the you know the police officer is standing over her corpse. Who's, Damn, that's a pretty looking bride. I, yeah, I w- can't believe that something happened to something so beautiful. Yeah. And then, and then when she's in the hospital bed, they're doing the same thing. Isn't that the best, cutest thing you've ever seen? Like, My God, your eyes are amazing. Yeah. And then, like, even then we get to the end, it's like. Oh, you know, if you were one of my girls, you would have been, you would have been top price. I'm like, can you stop laboring upon? Like, yeah. why do you have to keep doing this? I don't yeah. get it. I don't like. What's your point, Quentin? Is it just because you really, really fancy Uma? Well, that's the Is thing. Is that it or what? <laughs> like... Because, the, yeah, there are, like, weird things in there and it's like there continues to be, like, this wanton violence against women in Tarantino's films. Yeah. And then there's a point when, and it's like, yeah, and then the women come back, but it's like, you spend so much time beating up women yeah. in all your films and then, like, fetishizing violence against women because men don't up until death proof men don't get the same level of violence against them that like the bride does for example mm. and i know that there is an argument there that he could be saying that she's tougher than everyone else because she can take that much more of a beating i guess so but then there's a point when you're like she is getting the shit kicked out of her constantly and then no, as I... soon as she comes up to uh, as soon as she comes up to bud she's like he's down like that that's a good point, actually. Yeah, she, she gets shot and she rubbed the button, yeah. With rock salt. And then it's like... And then... Yeah, it's weird. It's really confusing. It's like a really confusing message yeah, that's it's in like, there. Again, I keep going back to that, the um, sword fight. Yeah. Because she just... There's no denying that. that they, no. These guys are meant to be a hired bunch of killers. Majority of them are men. There are some women in there as well, I believe. But yeah. She just, and she takes them all on all at the same time and just kicks their ass. Yeah. So I don't think she really gets her ass kicked in one. She does in two. Well, she does in one. If you look at this, look at the state of her when she's trying to fight over him. When she comes out, she's just covered in her own blood. Is and she gets clocked around in the face. Like Gogo kicks the shit out of her for a while. Yeah, and then true. she just outsmarts her with it. Yeah, but it's really strange. Yeah. Like we could go into like the psychology of Tarantino films really deeply, but like I will come back to like especially with next week's episode, the like two fairly problematic ones about sort of violence against women. Yeah. But um but I think the well, it, that kind of leads us straight on to Death Proof. <laughs> yeah. Because Death Proof is that is the whole premise it's of it. Weird. It's weird. Yeah. It's a serial killer movie about a guy who goes out and stalks and kills women. Yeah, um, and it's play- the character is played by um, Kurt Russell. It's called Stuntman Mike. Yeah, of course. And the, I- and the idea is that he's got this car which is death proof from the driver's seat. Yeah, it's a Chevy Nova, by yeah. the way. Okay, it's either a nineteen seventy or nineteen seventy one, but it's been modified, so you can't really tell. That's okay. the first one. The second one's a Dodge Challenger. That's cool. Charger, sorry. Um, the Challenger is the white one. And yeah, and 
the thing with death proof's weird because <laughs> death proof was part of this sort of experiment that tarantino did with uh, robert rodriguez which is that they did grindhouse which was the idea is they went back yeah. to these old grindhouse movies that used to be like play as double features and they're all like b movies like like exploitation flicks and stuff and they would always be put on back to back and they're always like cheaply made and like and all yeah. the rest of it. They're, they're sort of or, an almost sort of equivalent to like mockbusters and straight yeah. to DVD films that we have now. Yeah. And they stuff just, like they were, the Meg and yeah. yeah and um, they played they play at the drive in and the, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um and they had this idea where right, well you direct one, you direct like a zombie one and I'll direct one and I'm gonna make like an exploitation car like, movie. Car movie. Okay, cool. And we'll both put them out together as a double feature. Cool. That's what they did. But then, even within that, but then, then they didn't even do it. Like only in certain parts of America were they yeah, released together. Exactly, you could go and see one, not the other, and then yeah, it was all yeah, it was all weird. Like even to a point where they made fake trailers to go in between yeah. them, and then one of them became an actual film franchise, which was Machete yeah. with um, yeah Danny <laughs> Trejo. Danny Trejo, um, because people love that trailer, which so made much. I think the the Machete films have made more money than the Death Proof and really? Planet Terror. I think so. Wow. Some weird statistic they or something. They can't be right. Surely not. It's bizarre. Okay, something uh, like that. But anyway. Um, but yeah, what's weird then about that is not only... It's already like a half movie. Yeah. And then he splits it in half again. Because this movie has two separate stories, essentially. With two separate sets of protagonists. Yeah. And it's... It starts with one group of girls. Who are our point of view characters. And then there's an incident in the middle... And then it cuts to five months later, or was it, what, eight months later, something like that. Yeah. And there's a whole new set of girls. Yeah. And they're a whole new set of characters who we have to learn about and get on with. And it just it doesn't quite work. Like, it doesn't. Like, but like some of it really does. Yeah. Like, so I like, I think the back half is better. Yeah. Purely because of the cast. Like, Rosario Dawson is great. Yeah, and that whole thing, and he's got uh, Zoe Bell in there, who's a stunt woman and was the stunt woman for the Kill Bill movies. Yeah, and he puts her front and center mm-hmm. um, because like he loves her so much, and she's such an amazing stunt woman. Yeah, that he actually just had her basically play herself. She literally played herself. Yeah, it was, like, it was Zoe Zoe Bell as, as Zoe herself. Bell. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there are a bunch of girls all working on a movie. Yeah, but then the first half is a whole separate thing with a whole separate yeah. group. But women. then the, the, like the first half. Is this group of four friends who are all I don't know, and it's like so the f- the four friends are all going away for the weekend to the lake house. Yeah, they stop off at a bar, get drunk, have a party sort of at night, and then that's where they meet stuntman Mike. Eli Roth's got a cameo in there. Rose McGowan's got a cameo in there. Um, like well, an extended cameo in there, and then. But yeah, I mean to to cut to the point, all of them are killed. Yeah. By Stuntman Bob, but with Stuntman Mike with his thing that he That's does, which is Stuntman Bob's his brother. Yeah, see. Um and then so he drives his death proof car straight at them. Yeah. To crash and kill them, which he succeeds. And but it's the whole fact that and then the basically the second half is him doing the same thing again to another group of women who all stand up to him and beat him. In the end, yeah. But I, what what frustrated me about it is that I wish it would have been consistent throughout because yeah. the first half 
like we said before, it's filmed on old film stock. Mm. It was deliberately scratched up. It was taken out of sync in places. Yeah, there was parts where like they'd say the same line twice yeah. from a different angle because it's just badly edited. Yeah, and, and that's what and some of these like, films were. the whole idea. Like, yeah. But then you get to the tail end of it and you get like, again, like Mary Elizabeth Winstead is in there mm. and she's playing and they're like, okay, well, so we've got all this extra character development now and we're going to see this revenge film. Almost, well, is it a revenge film or is it just a women standing up for themselves film because do we do we take the first half as justification for why they want to beat him up or are they just going to do it for revenge for him attacking them yeah and and is it i don't know it's I, like there's parts of it where i really want to get in and analyze it because it's yeah. like the point when they turn the tides on him and start going after him yeah attack him chase him start beating him up they shoot him in the arm yeah and he's like like whining at them, he's like, "I'm sorry, I was just, I was just yeah, that's, playing." And... That's it. That's really interesting when they turn the tide because he's like this badass, and he's like, and that's what I will say about the first half is that it gets you get some great Kurt Russell in it mm. in the first half, which you don't get in the second. In the second, he's more of just a, a you know, a bad guy for them yeah. to chase. Because it half, feels like a remake. Yeah, it feels like because this is like sort of my point is that when you see the first half. Mm. Up until the crash, and after that ends, when it cuts to the however long later, mm. and it's the next group of girls in the car, but they're not drinking like they to, they want to have a vodka and Red Bull, but they don't want to do this and they don't want to do that, and you start thinking, okay, so is this a remake? Is this how is this Tarantino like making a statement on this is how films used to be and the bad guy would win in the Grindhouse era, but nowadays the women would win. Okay, I see. I hadn't thought of that. That's yeah. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's yeah. Because it is really strange. The, like you say, it, the the film stock changes and it feels like a more modern movie. But then yeah. even like in the open when they flip and go forward, they they start off everything's in black and white, and then color just comes in halfway through. Yeah, and that this is, and he uses that to great effect as well because it's on a particular shot and you realize that the car is bright yellow. Yeah, and like it's a Mustang. Yeah, and Mary Elizabeth Wise is wearing this bright yellow cheerleader outfit, and everything just suddenly pops off the screen in just this amazing flash of color. Yeah, where you just got you got used to everything being in black and white, but then, yeah, like you say, it could be like a like a remake. I hadn't thought that. Yeah, because that's what I was sort of thinking about when I was watching it today, and I was like, because I didn't like. I didn't like how lecherous the first half was. Oh, yeah, big time. Because, and I get it, it's like, we get it, Tarantino. Like, films in the 70s were lecherous. But the place that I was watching it was grossly inappropriate for me to be watching it where I was. (laughs) And I was just like, if somebody saw me watching this, I'd be in a lot of trouble. Yeah. You know, I wasn't doing anything weird. I was watching at work. Yeah, on my break, obviously. <laughs> um, and yeah, but it is this really strange thing, and it's just like, like I get it, but don't don't be too honourable to how it used to be. Yeah, because that is the equivalent of like an old person now saying, "Oh, well, I can say that we've always said it. that's what we used to say back then." Yeah, it's like yeah, and it was wrong then as well. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. 
you know, more people accepted it, but it was still wrong. Yeah, and it's interesting. Like that's actually almost exactly the thing that I read about um, from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Really? Um, well, but not so much with the women thing, but it's about that his depiction of um, Bruce Lee. Oh, okay. Because Sharon Lee, his daughter, came out recently, and he said, "I feel like he's treated my father." in the way that white Hollywood treated him back in the day. And just because uh, they did it back then doesn't mean you can do it now. Yeah. That was her point, which is interesting. Yeah. So maybe he's he's gone for like historical accuracy, but by doing that, you're just making it... Reductive. Redu- yeah, you're making it like it was back then. And like, there's a reason we've moved on from that. Yeah. And then, yeah. So, yeah, maybe that's it. I hadn't thought about it in terms of the the before and after, what it was like then, what it was like now kind of thing. Mm. But that doesn't make sense now you say it. I just wish that they'd had it like all tie up. I would just say, if they'd had a whole movie and had the whole plot play out and have it be, you know, Rosario Dawson and that group from the beginning, but then had also had the scenes in the bar with Stuntman Mike and how, yeah. how he operates and somehow weaved it in better together so they ran parallel to one another rather mm-hmm. than having this clear division halfway through. It would have worked better. Um, I do like that we have that bit in the middle with the um, two cops. Yeah. Because they, those are the same two cops yeah. from Kill Bill. Mm. They're the guys who come in and then and look at the, the crime scene and found, you know, the bride. But it's the same. It's a father and son who are like a sheriff and his deputy. And they just talk about the whole case and say, I think he did it on purpose. Yeah. So, right, I could go after him. I could do all that. Or I could s- spend the exact same amount of time and energy following the NASCAR. I think I'll do the second one. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I like that. It's just little things like that. They're, like These films aren't as quotable no. as the as Pulp Fiction. I think he wrote them deliberately to be like that. He didn't want people quoting it. Um, yeah. But the, what I like is, like like I say, he always puts in stuff that would be true to movies back when they were made. The yeah. Homage, and he does that in both in Kill Bill and in Death Proof. Like, the whole thing of, like, who is this guy? Stuntman Mike. Who's Stuntman Mike? He's a stuntman. <laughs> just like that, yeah. little things like that, or like when she repeats herself back again in Kill Bill, like like she's um when Sophie's telling the story to Kit to Bill. Yeah. She said, and then she said, "I'll do this," and then like she cuts back to um the the bride goes, "As I said, I allowed you to live for two reasons." <laughs> yeah. It's like like she's just repeating herself yeah. again, having just said it. And so, but like little things like that that he purposely puts in, yeah, because that's how he knows those movies were made. And it's like again, as a cinephile, as a celebration, oh, yeah. of, as a celebration of film and cinema and and what these old movies used to be like. I think these all work brilliantly mm-hmm. for that. And that's the thing, like his. I still think that the the way that he makes things and the way that he does things should be celebrated, mm-hmm. but. I also think that he under he needs to understand that these things are dead and gone for a reason. Some of them, yeah, you know, and I think he also needs to get the message that he's a white guy writing the N word a lot. Yeah, although I think Kill Bill doesn't doesn't mention no, I it. I think Kill, Kill Bill and Kill Bill Two are the only times where at no point is yeah. any racial. Yeah. But yeah, so I mean, there's that, and then yeah, well, the, the, a race does come up at one point, but um, yeah, Oren collects a motherfucker's head. Oh, that is fucking brilliant. I love that bit. I love that bit, and again, that to me is another sort of tick yeah. in the female empowerment column, if you like. Yeah, and it's not nearly enough to tip the balance, but it's there. Do you yeah, know what I mean? definitely. Um, 
So it's not like it's it's hard to write off the whole thing as one thing or the other mm-hmm. because you just yeah, it's difficult. But yeah, there you go. Yeah. It's and all in all, I think like going back to death proof. One of the inter- in fact, one of the interesting things that we should probably mention is about um because these were Miramax Weinstein produced films. Yeah. But <laughs> both Death Proof and Planet Terror feature Rosaria. Uh, uh, oh gosh, I forgot Rose her name. Rose McGowan. Yeah, McGowan. So, but the story of that is that when so Rose McGowan spoke with Eli Roth and confided him about what Harvey Weinstein had done, and he and was saying that he'd be she'd be blacklisted from Hollywood because of what Harvey Weinstein did to her. Mm. And because she sort of spoke out about it. And then, so he was like, I'm going to put you in this film and fuck him. No bollocks to him. I'm going to put him in. He's going to pay for it. He's going to pay for it to get made. He's going to get paid for it to be distributed. We're not going to tell him you're in it. Did the same with Death Proof. Yeah. That's why she's in there. Because it's Quentin Tarantino, to a lesser extent than Eli Roth, doing a fuck you. Yeah. Because, like, yeah, Quentin, that's a different thing for another day. Okay. But his ignorance of the whole thing yeah i mean well that that sort of makes me think of eli roth in a slightly better way because to be honest when i saw him in this movie i did get the impression that he was just playing himself yeah and he's a bit of a fucking douchebag yeah and like if there's stuff like that he's doing in the background i guess then yeah yeah maybe he's maybe that's not maybe that's just his persona that he has and that's the thing frat boy sort of douchebag yeah because he is quite an interesting person i've listened to him like in like podcasts and he's behind a lot of like he's he's a real champion for like independent cinema for like horror and stuff like that mm. but at the same time this is still the guy that made Hostel yeah so literal yeah. a literal torture porn film yeah um and you know again sort of almost on a sort of similar ilk as sort of the 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 level of violence against women in his films are significantly more explicit than they are against men in his films yes yeah. It's a very strange scenario. It's but then he like does a, a woman can only be a yeah. hero if she's been subjugated to certain circumstances. Yeah. But then at the same time, it will stand up and exactly. say, fuck you and put Rose McGowan in the film. Exactly. So and then yeah, the films will tank because it, the Weinsteins aren't putting any money to promote them. Yeah. And only put enough money in to get them in a very limited run at cinemas. Yeah. And they're not putting them out as they intended. And it's like that that's apparently is like one of the larger reasons why they've tanked was because they were just not marketed. Yeah. Because the Miramax refused to do so when they found out that Rose McGarren was in both of them. Motherfuckers. So, yeah, fuck the Weinsteins, obviously. Um, But, you know, go yeah. on Rose McGowan for sticking it to him and Eli Roth. Yeah, fair enough. But, yeah, I don't think... I, I, yeah. I mean, there are issues aside. Like, I think Death Proof is fun. Yeah. But too long. Yeah, it definitely it needs to be one version of it, and I think, yeah, there like I say, there are lots of good parts about it. Like I think the the car chase sequence towards the end, yeah, is fucking brilliant, mm-hmm. and that like I will put what that watch that car chase sequence over anything that's been in any of the like Fast and Furious movies for the last ten years, mm-hmm. any day of the week, because you know they did that for real. Yeah, you know Zoe Bell was on the front of that fucking car, and they were driving and they were slamming into each other, and they did that for real. There's no like, and I like fucking brilliant yeah 
logic aside about the fact that they could have just stopped the car at any point, <laughs> it still looks cool. Yeah. Um, and that's the same could be said for the Kill Bill. It's like, it's just pure spectacle and just fun. Like, yeah. When she's kicking ass with the samurai sword, when she's fucking... And even like the, the dialogue stuff between her and a bit like the climax of Kill Bill 2 is what's interesting about it is that it's not a bit like both of the other movies have got like set piece action sequences to finish mm-hmm. them off. Yeah. Kill Bill 2 is a conversation between yeah. her and Bill and that's done really well. Yeah. And that sort of leans into what he's going to get to I think when he gets into his next yeah. phase of movies is that it's going to be more down that ill. So I think of the three that we're looking at I think Kill Bill 2 is probably the best example of where he's going to end up going mm-hmm. which is this more talky yeah like the duels happen between people but they're not physical they're verbal duels yeah and that's what the next set of movies that we're going to talk about are going to be yeah definitely um but we saw that sort of piloted if you like between bill and and that's the thing you can definitely see sort of not so much a maturity in this in going throughout these because i still stand by that jackie brown and probably the hateful eight two of his most mature films but at the same time I think you can see his evolution as a filmmaker you can see from a guy that was very much about how can we get intensity in screenwriting to come across really really strongly with like Reservoir Dogs and how can I really rely on my dialogue and then you get into pop fiction you're like right I've nailed it with the dialogue and I've nailed it with the structure but how now how now I want to play with the narrative and I want to play with the structure of the film itself and the yeah. timeline, but it's still coherent, yeah. despite the fact it's all over the place. And then you get to Kill Bill, and you're like, okay, so the coherence is different now, and the narrative is different now, and the writing is different, and the and the dialogue is different. But I'm going to work with the sound, and I'm going to work with influences, and I'm going to work with homage. And it's so built up, and they become so dense in like Kill Bill 1 and 2, yeah. that when you get to Death Proof, it's just a total step away yeah, and yeah. people are like, and again, it's like one of the ones that people just completely forget that he's done. Yeah. And then, but then so other people celebrate it as like his best work. Yeah. And it's really interesting to see how like the Tarantino community sort of rallies behind different things in different places. Yeah. And, uh, which is something that I'd like, I want us to talk about when we get to once upon a time in Hollywood. Mm. But, um, but yeah, I think, they're all great works. Mm. Issues, issues aside, but I'm going to ask you the question again. Don't ask me the question again. I don't want to do just it. Just out of these three. Out of, just out of these yeah. three. Right, okay. We'll do the whole lot when we get to Once Upon a okay, Time. So but... Just out of these three, I think it's probably going to be uh, Kill Bill 1, Kill yeah. Bill 2, Death Proof. Yeah. For me. I'm going to say... Who Kill Bill Two, just then Kill Bill One, yeah, and then Death Proof. But there is a significant gulf between the Kill Bills and the Death Proof for me. Yeah, like, okay. I love the cars, I love the action, but the first half is a bit much for me. Yeah, yeah fair enough. But yeah, it's that lap dance sequence, isn't it? That <laughs> there's no need for that. No. Yeah. Okay. Um. But yeah. Okay. So that's sort of like, like I say, Tarantino's. Fuck you! I won't do what you tell me. Yeah, mum. 
Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll make, Fuck I'll, you, mum. I'll do whatever I want. I'm going to have loads of blood and swearing and tits. Like, yeah. you know I mean? It's just like... There's going to be lap dancers and there's going to be racing cars. And, and shut up, mum. Everything's going to blow up and it's going to be great. I'm going to have... A, you know what? I'm going to have one bit. It's going to be a cartoon. Yeah. Because I want it. <laughs> yeah. And that's what he did with these. And like, fair play to him. It, he did it fucking well. Yeah, it fucking so, worked. And then he moved on to the other stuff, which we'll get into next week. So next week, we're going to talk about Inglorious Bastards, Django Unchained, and The Hateful Eight. Mm-hmm. Um, so all three of them are massive movies. Yeah. They've got a lot to talk about. So we'll, it'll be interesting to get into those um, next week. Um, if you've got any of your own thoughts on this sort of phase of Tarantino or the ones we don't, we've covered previously, let us know. Mm-hmm. If you don't agree with our rankings, in fact, if you agree with Tom's ranking, um, then you can vote for us by giving us a five-star rating on iTunes. Yeah. If you agree with my ranking, then you have to do is go onto iTunes and give us a five-star rating. Yeah. Um, we'll know. We'll, we'll, we'll be able to see it we and we'll tell, be able yeah. to monitor it. And, and then, then what, we'll, once, we'll, once we've got that poll, then we'll be able to... We'll report back next week and let yeah. you know how we go on. Um, but other than that, we're available online on uh, Instagram, we're on Twitter, we're on Facebook. Um, yeah, just search can, the Omcast. Yeah, pretty much anywhere. Um, or you can send us an email, theomcastpod at gmail.com is the email address. Mm-hmm. Um, and let us know what you think about all the Tarantino stuff. And next week we'll get into the last th- three. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty epic, but this is going to be the most epic. This is going to, because this is where they're all like two, two and a half hours, three hours. Yeah, it's going to be a real slog. They're all great, though. They're all great, but. <laughs> God damn, have we stuffed ourselves with time on this. It's going to be great. Don't worry about it. Don't you worry about it. We've had a big year. It'll be fine. We've got till Saturday. It's fine. Oh, fuck. (laughs) Okay. All right. Thanks, guys. Catch you next week. Bye. Bye. Why? (laughs) That's a very good question. Hi. It's a very, very That's good question. That's my main thing about these three films. Why? They're so fucking long. Yeah. Like, I get it. Mm. They're pretty good. They're good fun. They're all good fun. But, but like, yeah, fuck me. Yeah, they're like, yeah. Uh, but, but. Jesus Christ. But what are you going to get for dinner? <laughs> Tomorrow! What are you going to do? It's 24 hours away. I Just... thought you were going round. You said. No, I didn't. You said. No, I didn't. Joe Ziri said you did. <laughs> <laughs> little rat. You little shit. Fuck's sake.